Hi, and welcome to Save the Track Bike. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and this is episode number four, the first episode of 2018. I have a lot of big plans for this year, uh, things I want to do on this podcast. I have a lot of really good interviews lined up already, and... Yeah, so we're going to do that once race season starts. I'm definitely going to do some documentary-style episodes. Um, just trying to figure out what names I want to call it. Maybe Trackumentary. I don't know. We'll see. Um, also, I'll probably be starting a YouTube channel soon. I have one video up on YouTube right now, but um, I haven't... It's been hard to keep up with it. So hopefully we'll get that going. I'm going to. We're going to do it, especially once race season starts. Any races that I can get to, I definitely want to make videos about it. So so those are some plans for 2018. But for now, let's get to my conversation with Josh Tyrell of the State Bicycle Team. We had a really good conversation. Uh, we talked about mashing through Vancouver I wasn't doing that. Josh was mashing through Vancouver. I was doing that through Denver. Um, we talk about how he got on the state bicycle team. We talk about Red Hook. We talk about his plans for 2018, the time he got to climb Mount Evans, and another epic climb he wants to do uh, in Washington State that sounds really cool. And we talk about Canada, because that's where he's from. And then Scott, his teammate from State Bicycles, who I interview on episode two, told me that I had to do a lightning round about Canadian questions. So we do that. So stick around till the end. It's a really good conversation. I had a ton of fun talking to him. Uh, yeah. So let's get to it. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I was really excited to talk to you. Um, so I guess let's just start from yeah. how did you get into bicycles? Man, how did I get into bikes? Well, I uh, got into bikes. I was going to be moving from Vancouver to, sorry, from Montreal to Vancouver. So from the east coast of Canada over to the west coast. And my original plans were to drive there, but then it was looking kind of short finance-wise, so. I sold my car. I built a fixed gear bike out of an old Peugeot nice. and uh, moved to Vancouver with it. And that was the way to get around. I don't really believe in public transit. I didn't have a car and I wasn't about to walk. So <laughs> yeah. narrowed that down pretty quickly. And uh, that's it, man. So I was just biking everywhere. It was just a means to get around at the beginning, really. Yeah, for sure. I get that. That's kind of where I did grow up, like racing BMX, but um, uh I kind of trailed off of doing that in my teens and like around my like twenties when I moved into the city and stuff, I was just, that was like how I got everywhere. I hated waiting for the bus all the time. I hated like, <laughs> we have like a light rail system here that is a little better now, but back then it was like a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> so basically, really kind of thing? Yeah. So basically like, I'm like, dude, I would just rather ride my bike, whether it's snowing or, you know, I just would rather be, just doing that so yeah so i, I totally feel really, that uh, and so from from just commuting and getting around via bike i mean i moved back to montreal after about a year or so out in vancouver got 
back to Montreal and like all my friends were into bikes. And so it was, this was great. We had a crew of people and it just kind of took off from there, really. I mean, we started uh, just going on reckless cruisers through the city, riding brakeless fixed gear like it was the only way to ride bikes. It was pretty fun. And then uh, someone suggested that we try racing and it worked out pretty well. And I was hooked, man. <laughs> from that point on, it was just go, 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 go as fast as you can all the time and do as many races as possible. It was really cool. That's awesome. Did you start off with like alley cats and stuff, or did you go straight to like the crits and all that? I went straight into crit racing. I really didn't identify with like the alley cats and all that. I just it, something about it didn't ring home with me, so I just never really did one, to be completely honest. And then so I started racing road stuff. Actually, I went from riding a six-year bike around, just mashing around the streets, to getting a demo bike and taking it to like the local crit in Montreal and just giving it a go. It was really pretty interesting. But, Nice, nice. Yeah, I um, I never really did alley cats either. I was just kind of doing the same thing, just riding around cities like really fast. But something about the alley cats, like I just never. <laughs> I get it though. It seems fun. I mean, like. Uh... Yeah, no, it's it's the concept is all there. It's really awesome. It's just something that I'm not particularly you know, gung-ho about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As soon as I heard that there were, like, crits, and I was like, oh, I can race a fixed gear bike on a closed street? Like, I want to do that. Unfortunately, it yeah. happened really late in life for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, the passion's still there, man. It counts. Hey, why not? I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it this summer. I'm doing as many races as I can get to, so that's my goal. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. So we'll see each other out there, then. That's wicked. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as of like, what are your favorite races to do? Like, as far as like, crits favorite or... races to do, I mean, as a, as like in the six year world of things, um, favorites, I mean, that's a tough call, really. I mean, they're all really exciting in their own sort of unique way. Uh, I've definitely come to really enjoy the six Asian series. They're a ton of fun, a little less pressure than the bigger races, like the Red Hook series or the mission crit out in San Francisco. They're just, like, which are equally as fun, right? But, like, you can really sort of, like, it's just that, that the less pressure is really way more fun. You know, it's a little bit more low-key. It's just a fun event, really, all around. It's still fast and hard, and, you know, we race and we're pushing, but it's just a little less pressure. It's really, really cool. That's awesome, um, yeah. I live pretty close I mean, that's, to... that's not to take away... Uh, oh, you live close to there? Well, not super close. I live in Denver, so... I could drive oh, to, like, Chicago. To me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I do plan on, like, getting out to Chicago uh, and getting out to Milwaukee this summer. And Definitely recommended. Yeah, I was talking to Scott about that Victorville, Victorville like, uh, three-day race. That was so cool. Yes, I do remember doing that. That was something that uh, it kind of came and went so fast, right? But that was a great event. That was yeah. a ton of fun. If more people could make it out to that, that would be huge. Yeah, I really want to, like, put a spotlight on that race because I know a lot of people are talking about, like, going out to Germany to do, like, Fixed 42 or whatever, but I'm, like, as soon as I heard about that, I was, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, <laughs> I want to get that out that there. That race is a little bit bonkers. It's definitely on my wish list, but it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they start, the start line, I think, has something ridiculous, like 500 riders on it. Yeah, that's what I saw. <laughs> Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. It's it's chaotic. But, I mean, from what I understand, the streets are closed, and it's a pretty gnarly course. You get onto the highway for a bit, and uh, everything's closed off, so it's safe and whatever. <laughs> safe. I'm putting up my uh, my air quotations here. But, um, yeah, just, that's just hectic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a rad race, but 
Well, fun. That's funny because it's rad race. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a neat right there, bud. <laughs> um, now I see why they picked that name. Um, no, it sounds really cool. But uh, that Victorville thing, I was just like, why haven't I heard about this? Because it just sounds like such a cool concept of like being able to do a crit, being able to do a time trial, like all that stuff. I don't know. I'm definitely going to try to make yeah, it out. No, it was very. Uh... It was it was great. Really, that was a ton of fun. It's a really good way to sort of open up the season too, because it was fairly early in the year, and it's it's just exciting, really. I mean, it's it's a different style, right? Like we've come we've become so accustomed to like just the standard sort of criterion format. And there's a qualifier or not, and then you just jump right into the crit, like that, which is still super awesome. But it was so nice to see something be a little bit different, where it offered three days of racing and it wasn't all exactly the same. Um, I definitely enjoyed the time trial the most. I think that was the most sort of unique bit of it all, but uh, definitely something to check out for sure. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to try to do that. So all of you people out there listening, check out this Victorville stage race. I think uh, Mobbin... Uh, Mobbin Mondays, yeah. Yeah, Mobbin Mondays is like has something to do with it. And uh, yeah, they have a whole track by category. You get to do a road race, and then you get to do a time trial, and then you get to do a crit. So, full weekend of suffering. <laughs> Pretty much, but I mean, hey, you know, you're out in the sun, it's nice, it's uh, a good time, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think those races that are a little bit different are the ones that kind of get me the most stoked to want to go try. Like, I really want to try to do the oh, Red totally. Bull Hill Climb. I want to, because <laughs> I love That looks like a burner, for sure. That would be, uh, yeah. I yeah. saw that happen. I was like a little bummed I couldn't get down there, but it definitely is an interesting, uh, interesting thing. That's for sure. Yeah, I know Scott was like, "Oh, I was trying to talk to the Red Hook guys about doing a race up like Mount Evans or something," <laughs> 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 and calling it the race of the dumbest or something for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think uh, there was a, a race out here called the Lookout Mountain Challenge. It's like totally unsanctioned. It's basically like a alley cat up a mountain about this i heard man yeah wasn't it like the residents started to get like a little choked about it and then like they pretty well shut it down (laughs) yeah pretty much i mean it kind of just like it just happens so i think they announced (laughs) it like two weeks before and like you just show up and (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i i really wanted to go do it but i literally heard that they had like a fixed gear category technically like uh maybe like four days before the race and (laughs) yeah so i had to work that week i mean that day so i couldn't make it out i was super bummed (laughs) it doesn't happen anymore right like from what i understand it's no longer a thing oh no they did it last year again they brought it back oh they did yeah so scott (laughs) won that (laughs) amazing (laughs) yeah for sure um it was like the three best writers out here of course won so it was like scott and uh this dude, Jake, and then this other dude, Josh, <laughs> which is funny. Well, no, Josh is in the world getting after it. I know. <laughs> For sure. We'll see. My only goal with all the races this summer is, like, I don't want to crash, and I don't want to get last place. That's all I care about. <laughs> Those are some pretty solid goals, man. I think that is a, a really good mentality to go in with. It's, it's solid. Yeah, it's just like it's fun, and I... I don't know. I got super out of shape, uh, when I was like running a business and, and then about a year ago when I started kind of like wanting to get into cycling again, um, 
I kind of discovered like a bunch of state videos and a bunch of Patrick Seabase videos and all this stuff. And, and since last January, I've just been like pushing really hard, riding as much as I can. And I've dropped like 65 pounds and, and like, Dude. yeah. And I've like, been, <laughs> Holy, okay. Yeah. That's not just a little bit. That's a lot. <laughs> no, totally. I was like, I was super stressed when I was like, I was running a little grocery store and I was just super stressed all the okay. time. And I was like not riding my bike and, um, and as soon as I got back on it, I was like, oh, I'm home. I cannot let myself stop doing this again. And uh, all of the races and stuff are just like motivation to just for me to like challenge myself to do something I never thought I would do. So and plus it brings back all the That's memories so of when I used to race BMX. <laughs> so I guess I have the same sort of like just stoked on racing and just like there's this challenge ahead of you and you know it's going to hurt if you're getting after it. And that's really cool. I kind yeah. of, I, I, I can definitely uh, see how that would be really, really motivating. Yeah, for sure. And it just, I don't know. I did, I did one crit uh, last summer, um, or this just past summer, uh, and it was really fun. And I was like, I didn't know if I was going to finish because, like, the first like three laps, I wasn't expecting it to be because I've never did a crit before. I don't have a road racing background. BMX, like the okay. races are like two minutes, you know? <laughs> right. So it's a two minute sprint and you're done. Let's... <laughs> yeah, basically. And, uh, so this was like, and I was used to riding far, but I didn't expect like at first it was just going to be like, go all out. And then, you know, I didn't oh, have yeah. this strategy <laughs> down. So, um, no, it's, it's pretty intense. I mean, pretty standard practices. Uh, the first couple laps are just full out. Like, who can go the fastest, the longest. And then, uh, and then from there, it's uh, you know it kind of starts to play around. But geez, uh, those first couple laps are really uh, really intense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely got dropped immediately, but that's okay. <laughs> and you know, it's all part of the learning curve, right? We all it happened to all of us. I definitely uh, did not perform well on that first crit that I went out to. It was really <laughs> really almost embarrassing. But hey, you know, it's uh, the idea is that you go out and you try it, you enjoy it, and you try and get the next one you know that's it yeah for sure well the good thing is, is i did finish the race i didn't crash and i also did not get last place so that was good <laughs> there we go <laughs> so it was a successful the experience benchmark, uh, you know here it is <laughs> yeah exactly um no it was really cool because uh i wasn't sure about like whether or not i could handle the cornering as well but then i was like oh this is you know i'm used to that i've been riding in the city for a long time and I'm used to cornering and taking turns oh, there you fast. Go. So, you know, uh, you know what it is to turn your bike in a hurry. So. Yeah. The big thing is, is like just trying to get all those strategies of like warming up before and having the right nutrition and, and like, that is a mission in on itself. Man. Oh, That's, for uh, sure. <laughs> and I think about like, uh, maybe on the fifth or sixth lap, I was like, I'm not going to finish this, but I just kept pushing and that's like, once you tell yourself like, oh, I'm just going to do this and you just kind of stop thinking about it. I was like, oh, okay. So I think that was huge for me, but. Absolutely. And being able to zone in like that is uh, that's an art. It really is to be able to just ignore what your body's telling you and know, like, you know, you're going to finish it. You know, you can make it, but like just to ignore all the, uh, <laughs> all the signals your body's given out and just get after it is really, uh, it takes practice and it's not easy to put up with a lot of the time. Right. Yeah, for sure. So how did uh, the state bicycle team come about for you? Um, what's the history there? 
State bicycle. Well, I mean, being from Montreal, I was definitely uh, I, well, I had to move to uh, to Canada. He's getting his citizenship, so it's now officially two Canadians. But uh, at the time, it was uh, it was just I was the only Canadian guy that was sort of going down uh, to the Red Hooks and stuff. And there was a contact in Montreal that uh, was able to get me in line with State with Medi. And so I sent him an email, and I was kind of like, "Hey, you'd be interested in a sponsorship? I'm heading down to do this race. I'm going to go to the Red Hook." Maybe I'll see you guys there and whatever. You know, I was uh, had a good race history in Montreal as far as your stuff goes. Um, but again, it was it was limited to the Montreal scene, which is you know on the scale of the world, not the biggest, but it is what it is. Uh, so I went down to New York and like totally blew it. <laughs> I had just gotten back from vacation in Barbados, like maybe not even a week before the race. Went down to New York and was just exhausted, like had nothing left. Uh, didn't even qualify actually that time. That was uh, <laughs> pretty intense because it was the old format at the time. Anyways, and so that was a little bit disappointing. And then obviously I just kind of felt pretty embarrassed. So I didn't even reach out after that race. I was like, well, blew that. And that's the end of that, really. Um, then whatever, this season is the season. Continues to do well in Montreal and in Quebec. Just all the road racing and the fixed gear racing that was going on out there. Uh, the local shop sponsor that I had at the time, Velo iBike they very generously uh, decided to send me out to the hook in Barcelona. Um, so, all right, sweet. I had no plans of going up here that, uh, that summer to do any of that. It was going to do just the New York Red Hook, and that was going to be it, really, for big races. So here I am going to Barcelona, get out there, and it was just like, I don't know, man. I was Maybe it was the riding I'd been doing in Montreal. Maybe it was just like the adrenaline from traveling to Europe for the first time and just being like, through the roof, stoked on life. <laughs> Could not be better, right? First trip to Europe was a like for a big bike race. It was really exciting. Anyway, big old story. Uh, I ended up qualifying second. I had the second fastest lap time at the Red Hook Barcelona in 2014, I think it was. Um, and yeah, so then the, whenever we went on to race the race, there was a, it was a really good race. Things were going quite well. I was sitting near the front of the race pretty well the entire time. You know, like first top five cut top 10 positions the entire race three laps to go one of the last hairpins uh somebody kind of strikes their pedal inside line and like just washes the whole front of the group out and i was part of that crash and that was, uh, that was that i ended up finishing 26th or 27th or something like that uh and i was riding with one of the state riders uh, michael Beesdeck at the time uh, him and i were both involved in the crash and so we were now trying to chase back desperately together um, and that was that. And when I got back to Montreal, uh, I had an email waiting from state asking if I wanted to be on the team. And here we are. Oh, that's amazing. Um, what's that experience like? Just kind of like writing for a team. And I know a lot of people like listening to this and stuff, or that's probably like their big goal. So, um, yeah. Can you touch on that a little bit? I mean, riding for this team has been a complete and total like joyride. It's been really, really fun. Um, I, I'm very grateful for all the experiences, but it's just a lot of fun to meet up with everybody that's on the team. I mean, that you have these new sort of like this new family, if you will, that is spread across North America. I and mean, you've got myself up here in Canada. We've got people in California, people in Arizona. You got Scott in Colorado. It's, people everywhere right and so you get a different perspective it's really uh it's really really awesome when we all come together everybody's got the same goal we're all on the same team we all have the same general sort of outlook on life and everything like we blend very well but it's just so neat to have that different perspective from all you know all the different corners of north america it's really fun yeah 
Um, and I mean, it's hard to, I mean, hard. <laughs> we don't get to ride together very often, but it's just always the greatest time ever. Every time we are together, so that's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, I mean, without without you know spending hours talking about it, it's just a ton of fun, really. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, because Scott and I were just talking about how State just seems like a really cool company and just kind of oh, so rad. being so supportive of like the fixed gear community in general. Um, and I just like appreciate that about them so much from like the video series to the team. Uh, like those riding track bikes at mountains with pros are, is like the best show <laughs> idea ever. It's so good. <laughs> it's so, so good. So good. Yeah. Like every time like a new episode comes out, I have to post about it. So <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I, I make room in my day to watch these things. Like I will push things aside, cancel meetings. Like, no, I got to watch this coming out today. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think when the last one came out, I was at work and, uh, and I just like literally went off to the side and just like put on my headphones and was like, I'm going to watch this right now. <laughs> I'll be, <laughs> I'll be gone for like 12 minutes, you know, <laughs> yeah. I will be back. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's cool. Do you have any like uh, cool projects like that or anything coming up with state or, or are you kind of just focusing on training for the next season? Or what's that looking like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, we are definitely in a bit of a, uh, a fun spot of the year, you know, right before Christmas and everything. It's kind of a you're halfway training, halfway not kind of thing for me. Anyways, me personally, I find if I start too early, it's really easy to burn out and kind of oh, yeah. like you're, pe- you're peaking in fitness at like, you know, May. It's kind of like, well, guys, like, <laughs> there's a lot of the season left still. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. um, just from my perspective, anyways, because we do get the winters out here, right? So riding outside is a little less attractive. Um, and so I do spend a lot of time on the trainer indoors. So you try and sort of, know, it's a lot of maintenance phase right now, and then we'll kind of go into the different phases of training. But I definitely am pushing it a little bit later this year to carry the fitness further into the season. Um, but uh, no, there's no real special plans. Not uh, nothing yet. Anyways, we are expecting a couple new teammates, which I'm really excited about. Um, as I'm sure everybody saw, State put out an open call, so we're definitely looking forward to yeah, who the new members are coming on board, both on the women's and men's side. It's really going to be uh, fun and exciting to get some new vibes into the group here and just continue to grow what is already an awesome family. You know? Yeah, that's amazing. I need to. I want to talk to some of the women's team members on this podcast too. So you'll have to put me in touch. Oh, with absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We can set them up. No problem. Yeah. I really want to put a spotlight on that too. So that's a, that's really important to me. I um, think it's very important. The women's six gear scene is uh, continuing to grow and it just, it just needs equal support. Really. I mean, you get a lot of attention on the men's side of things. The women deserve it just as much. It's really uh, Definitely can't stress that enough, and I think it's really cool that you want to touch on that as well. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, so what's, like, 2018 looking for you guys, um, or specifically for you? Like, what's your schedule looking like, or what races are you really excited about doing? All right, well, 2018 is looking solid. I mean, I definitely would like to focus on the Red Hooks. I think that's the general goal with the team. I mean, obviously, it's the... Uh, the schedule hasn't been released yet for all of us, so we're still waiting to see what our race schedule is going to look like. But I definitely would love to focus on the Red Hook series again. We didn't do too much of it last year. Um, it did get a little crazy in the couple of past previous years with big crashes and stuff, but it is sort of the beauty of it. 
um, we do take that risk. So, I mean, it's, uh, I'm super keen. I'd be really down to go and check them all out. Other than that, I mean, we would love to have a third year of state being on the top step of the uh, fixation, fixation open, which would be really cool. So that's always something that I'm stoked to go and do. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely want to put my big focus into the Red Hook. And if we have time to, uh, time and budget really to go over and do some of these smaller European races, kind of like the, uh, National Mustard Crit in Dijon, that would be really cool. Um, there's a bunch, man. There's just a bunch of, uh, awesome fixed gear criteriums happening overseas. And it's just, uh, it'd be really good to get out there and try and hit as many as, as we can, really. Um, within reason, obviously, right? But, uh, yeah, for sure. And I I was just reading about uh, that new series that's starting this year. I don't know if it happened last year, but I think it's new for this year. The uh, It's like the Italian series that's happening. I forgot exactly what it's called, but that sounds like a They've pretty They've got a pretty cool one that goes around a park, I think, in Milan called like Lombardi Crit or something like that. Oh, or yeah, Lombard yeah. Crit. Or, yeah. Uh, but that, that's been going on for a while. But, oh, okay. Italy, man, the Italians are really, uh, they're really doing it right over there. I can't even lie. They, uh, fixed gear has been recognized in like their, uh, how do you even say that? Like the Italian championship race, like the national, no, would, it, would it be national? I guess that'd be national. The national championships have like a fixed gear category, which is super cool. And that's recognized by like the Italian cycling governing body, which is amazing. Wow, uh, amazing. And they just, it just seems that they have races going on like every weekend, like two a weekend sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> For, for it to be so progressive over there, it's like, when is the wave going to get over to, North, over to North America, right? Like, we're just uh, waiting for it to pick up the steam that it has over in Europe. It'd be really, really cool to have just as many racing opportunities here and not having to travel overseas, obviously, just on a purely budgetary uh, sort of standpoint. But Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Scott and I were talking about how exciting last season was. Uh, because of how USA Cycling actually seems to be coming around on a lot of that. And they've been kind of sanctioning a lot more like fixed gear races and stuff. So hopefully that'll just grow from and there. That's been, uh, I really hope so. I mean, the state definitely uh, stepped up big time last year with that USA Cycling. Hats off to them for, uh, for, I mean, for taking the risk, really, and seeing how it played out. And I think it played out in a positive sort of uh manner and i think we're we're looking forward to more racing in the states yeah absolutely i know that uh there's a crit out here in denver called uh the modern market crit and they had a fixed gear category for the first time and it's a usa cycling sanctioned race and uh um it was really it was a rad race uh but they did not they kind of added the fixed gear category maybe like three weeks or a month before the race um, oh, so, yeah, okay, so they didn't have time to saturate, really. Yeah, exactly. But next year, they were absolutely, like, really stoked. They were like, oh, you guys complain way less and all this stuff. <laughs> it was actually really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they just kept coming yeah, out. Just go for it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were just really cool. They were basically just, like, uh, they were trying to figure out if they should get rid of this, like, hairpin turn, and everybody was like, no, that's, like, what's making the race exciting, you know? <laughs> um, so, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And they were like, oh, man. And I just remember there were some road bike uh, racers on the team that puts on the race. And they were okay. watching everyone cornering. And they were just like, this is how our team needs to corner. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, it's always really funny when you get some guys that have never raced a track bike either at all or just never off of, like, an actual velodrome. Yeah. And to see the reaction when we do what we do is really just so funny. They... Uh... <laughs> 
kind of mind bending to them. Yeah, my boss at work, he's a big roadie. And even today, like we've talked about my fixed gear stuff so many times. And today he was just like, oh, I don't get it with you, the crits. You know, I'd be so scared to corner. And I'm just like, you know, I was like, but we have higher, you know, higher bottom brackets. We run shorter cranks, you know. <laughs> But, do whatever you can to get that turning angle as low as you can get it. But yeah, the bikes are being pretty well specifically built, right? Like, yeah, BB drops are so little these days. Well, on the on the, uh, the new age fixed gear bike, if you will, but it's really a, or the fixed gear crit bike because there are almost like specific models for that. It's quite interesting, but uh, yeah, no, they're just designed uh, purpose built, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like anything else. I mean, I was literally just watching a documentary about. Uh, kind of the history of bmx and it was like the same thing people were just like getting out getting out on the dirt and like on schwinn stingrays you know <laughs> and like breaking their bikes in half <laughs> but you know they wanted totally. to do it so then they built bikes for everywhere it. yeah they built mountain bikes to ride down you know trails you know so there you go it's just kind of like anything else uh which is kind yeah, of it, it evolves with time and then it becomes its own being it's really yeah. Yeah, it's great I mean, I remember whenever, uh, you know, we're watching Macaframa and, you know, you have that Keo section and he has that 650B wheel on the front, and, <laughs> you know, doing <laughs> bar spins and stuff. And then later, like now kids are riding, you know, basically BMX bikes with fixed gear. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that whole evolves. fixed gear freestyle movement is just mental. Hats off to them. That is really intense. <laughs> yeah, I was just rewatching that, uh, or... I was just rewatching Macaframa not too long ago, and I was like, "Man, this holds up. This is sick." <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Even today, like you know, you know, like ten years ago, kind of thing. Like ten years on, it's still killing. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. Did you ever have any history of that, or kind of just straight into racing? Uh, no, man, definitely. So that whole uh, living out in Vancouver, and then probably the whole year. Uh, yeah, so the end of that summer that I got back to Montreal, like, so that entire summer was just fixie goon, sort of like very macrofram. I go ride through the streets, wicked whip skids, cutting through cars, and just like, just being reckless, really. Like, yeah. <laughs> we used to do this loop in Montreal where it was, it was, man, it was mental. Me and my buddy Phil, like, we'd go out and just like, not a care in the world, no real, like, sort of recognition of the danger that we were putting ourselves in, and just kind of like, just having a blast, but we would go, like, I mean, whatever, you have to know Montreal to know the streets, but you, you go up Atwater, head down St. Catharines, up St. Laurent, and then, like, loop back around and do it again. And it's just, like, those are all sort of, like, the hot streets in Montreal's nightlife. And we'd go out at night, like, on, like, a Friday night and just get after it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's cars, there's drunks, there's people. <laughs> like, man, we were just everywhere and, like, going full fuck as hard as we could, you know, burning light, like, the whole bit. And just, like, we'd go do, like, three, four laps of this and just, like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, like, that was <laughs> rad. And, like, we were just so stoked, but then we just didn't, we didn't see it as anything. And then, like, you know, fast forward six years or whatever, and <laughs> him and I went and did it last summer, and we were, like, we kind of stopped, like, a quarter of the way through, and we were, like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we did this on the regular, like, oh, shit, man, like, we really didn't, we just didn't know. <laughs> yeah i feel you we were doing stuff like that all the time too and every time i'm like riding downtown i'm just like well not to mention i'm like riding like you know 725 millimeter flat bars now but <laughs> yeah so a little different. i'm a little little scared going as fast 
downtown, you know, than it used to be, but I'm more comfortable. Yeah, That's all I care really, about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're more comfortable. The skills have improved. It's that you have probably a more sort of a cognitive sense of the danger around you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, it, it was seriously like just blind to it. Didn't even like, wasn't even a part of the equation kind of thing. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I think that's just youth in general. <laughs> I think so. But. <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. Now I'm like riding up mountains and descending like with no brakes or whatever. So I don't know. I guess I'm still a little crazy, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure Scott spoke about Mount Evans, right? And so that was the, when him and I did that, the looks we were getting, and it was so funny. <laughs> oh yeah we have to talk about that like let's let's get into mount evans because i plan sure. on doing it this summer with uh there's a fixed gear group out here called sunday strong and they're trying to like organize a big fixed gear ride up it so i definitely plan on okay doing that, so. and scott and i talked about it a little bit on the last episode so i want to hear your perspective on it especially not being from colorado <laughs> fair game well yeah i mean so this last summer my girlfriend and i we built up a sprinter uh, like a tiny home, we totally did the whole sort of van life movement thing, and so I was like, "Hey, like, let's let's pop into Colorado and see what Scott's up to," you know. Um, so I kind of gave him a small heads up, like, "We're coming to Colorado, let's do something crazy." And he's like, "We're going to go Mount up Mount Evans." I had no idea what Mount Evans is. <laughs> I don't know this, you know. I'm not like you know up to date on my mountains in the states. Like you know, I'm just here driving around having a blast. Like, <laughs> so I look it up. I'm like, "Okay, like, cool." The big mountain, you know, sure. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, trying to tell, trying to tell Max, my girlfriend, just like elevation in in the, in Colorado is higher, so like, you know, our bodies react different, and like, whatever, just kind of like having that whole that whole sort of info session, her and I, and we get there, and like, I had been to Colorado before, but just to go skiing, like we went to Keystone or whatever, but uh, I wasn't ready for for that <laughs> yeah um so it was cool i mean we we did the loop it was probably about a uh, 100k ride to 50 to 60 miles something like that uh, i don't remember where we took off from but uh either way it was close <laughs> close-ish yeah uh but it was beautiful it was really a ton of fun man like so i mean apart from it being physically very demanding um up until that point in the season that was like my longest ride of the year kind of thing um, I hadn't really been doing a ton of like longer distances, really sort of just keeping it in the sort of like 20 to 30 mile length of ride and just high intensity kind of thing. So to go out there and do a like four, four and a half hour ride climbing this mountain <laughs> was, uh, was really not in the card, but it was, it was super exciting. It was like, it was just, the views are breathtaking and like, sure it was tough, but like you just kind of get into that mind state the same way you do in a race and it's just like, this is the goal. I'm going to accomplish it and nothing is going to stop me. And that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much how it was. I just kind of got into the groove and off we went. It was, uh, there was a very clear energy difference between Scott and I, who was kind of, Scott was just having a blast. Like he's playing <laughs> and I'm like, just grinding away behind him. Okay. Yeah. Just, you keep doing your thing, man. <laughs> um, he had told me he's like, uh, 10,000, was it 10? Maybe it was 11. Either way, it's like, 10 or 11,000 feet, like, that's when you're going to start to, like, things are going to get weird. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, sure. And it just, that, I don't know what the weird was, but I just, it didn't change for me. So that was, uh, that was nice. I didn't feel the, uh, the crazy effects that you hear of, like, elevation or elevation sickness and all that. It just, it was still hard. <laughs> <laughs> we made it up to the top, and, and that was it. And it was, 
it was beautiful. It was such a relieving feeling to get up there. Um, really just unreal views from the top. Like, probably, you know, like, top five best ride of my life kind of thing. That's awesome. Really, really, really cool. Uh, the ride back down was pretty easy. Mount Evans is a very sort of consistent gradient. There's no, you know, super windy hairpins or switchbacks or anything. Uh, like, there's no blind corners, really. Yeah. Um, so it's super easy to descend. That really was a no-brainer. I mean, people were at the top, like, you guys have no brakes. Holy shit, like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, we made it up. Like, we're, we're going to go back down. It's really, it's really no sweat. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> like, You're like, I can um, stop, I mean, <laughs> if I need to. Yeah, yeah. I just, you just control your speed. I mean, and you don't, yeah. you don't ever let it go. You know, yeah. you're always kind of keeping on the pedals. If you need to, you know, line up a couple skids. But, I mean, really, it's uh, just a question of knowing your limits and knowing that you can, you know, hold back your own weight on the descent. I mean, when you can let it go, let it go, for sure. Oh, absolutely. If there's a big old straight coming up and you know you can just <laughs> let loose and hammer it, so then, you know, that's, that's a ton of fun, too. But it was, uh, that was really, really good. So that was the second time I had ridden my track bike up a huge mountain. Um, and so that was, uh, I was really stoked to be able to get that one done. It was really, really cool. That's awesome. What was the other mountain that you did? Uh, the year prior, when I was out in Europe, I went up Mont too uh, with a bunch of guys and wow. girls. Um, some of the guys from the Netherlands, actually, the uh, the Faster Dam team, they were uh, they were such a riot. Um, but yeah, we were driving from Barcelona. It was actually that was the uh, was that the no that was the year after uh, that I had gone on the state. So, anyways, we were driving from Barcelona up to Dijon to race the race uh, National Mustard Crit, and. Uh, we're driving along the highway, and they're like, oh, look at that big mountain there. I wonder what that is. And it turned out to be Movon, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, so we took a you know, like two-hour detour to drive to it, because it was a little further than it looked, obviously. Um, and we, we sent it, man, and same thing, brakeless, track bike, up we go. And it was uh, that one was dicey coming back down. Yeah. Uh, very much so, like uncomfortable <laughs> uh, it was a lot it was just it was like tighter roads a lot windier yeah blind corners and like you know switchbacks that connect immediately like there's not really any straight in between um a couple good s's if you will yeah super off camber steep that one the the gradient changes a whole bunch too like it goes in waves it's really weird so it's hard to gauge on the way down um but yeah that one, <laughs> that one is still number one on my list but <laughs> that's awesome um, Evans is a very close second for sure. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, there. I like. I love talking about fixed gear climbing on this podcast because I just feel like I know a attention. lot. Yeah, I know a lot of people that do it, but I don't like see a lot of videos or like hear any podcasts or anything of people talking about it. So I just love like getting other people's perspective because for me, it's the same on like the descending and stuff, like, it just feels really, like, I've descended on road bikes, and I've descended on track bikes, and, like, they're both just such different experiences, and I feel really safe on a track bike as well, and I feel really connected, like, I'm just kind of controlling what I'm doing the whole time, like you were saying, it's just all about being on the pedals and regulating your speed, and every now and then you might have to skid a little bit, but... Yeah, it's just about it's just about that rhythm is what I like about it. Um, that that was well put. The rhythm is definitely real. That's uh, that's just the best way to go about it. One hundred percent for sure. Okay. And then uh, I would uh, I 
I've got Mount Baker lined up. That's uh, my 2018 mountain that I think I'm going to go for. It's not too far from Vancouver. And Which one is it? It's a nice road going up to the ski area. What's the mountain called again? Mount Baker. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, that's in Washington State. So okay. that's, uh, that's one of the bordering states of Canada out here, so I'll be able to get there pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, that's, that's another good one. It's a big one. It's not quite as high as Evans, I don't think. Uh, Evans being the tallest paved road in the States, I believe. But, uh, or the highest, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But uh, definitely would like to try and get out and try that one this, this coming summer. That should be a blast. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Um, you're thinking about doing that on the track bike or on your road bike? Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah. No choice. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's it. We're talking about fixed-year climbing here. I'm going to go give her on the, on the track bike. <laughs> okay. Just, just you know, just making sure. Just <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, how far is that from Seattle? Do you know? Uh, Vancouver to Seattle is about a two-hour drive. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. We have uh, no, not that at all. It's really uh, pretty quick. My wife has some family in Seattle that we need to visit, so maybe I should go ride oh, that cool. mountain with you. <laughs> there we go, man. Sweet, yes. Yeah, uh, you can see Baker from Seattle. Kind of thing. I mean, okay. Monty Baker is gigantic, so you can see it from lots of places. But, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it isn't too far. Nice. Yeah, because I'm definitely going to do Mount Evans with Scott this. Uh, and we might do that. There's a Rocky Mountain National Park. There's this road that opens up like a month before it opens up to cars. It'll open up to bikes and stuff. So I kind of want to go do that. Oh, yeah. Is that also in Colorado somewhere? Yeah, that's uh, so Rocky Mountain National Park is kind of uh, it's right outside of Estes Park, which is um, home of like the Stanley Hotel that's that uh, Stephen King based The Shining on. <laughs> So, oh boy okay cool yeah. it's a crazy place they definitely try to capitalize on like it being like haunted and stuff and they have like a horror film of festival course. that comes there and like yeah but last well, time you I'm, know if you got the shining based on you you know you might as well go down that route so. <laughs> exactly uh stanley kubrick did not shoot the movie there but the tv series the right right, the right. mini series they shot there so that's like their claim so cool. to fame because I think they actually I shot, yeah, Stanley Kubrick shot, uh, uh, I'm a huge film nerd, so sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. No, it's okay, man, no, it's all good, they, all good. <laughs> they shot that in Canada, the Stanley Kubrick movie. Oh. Yeah, I don't know where in Canada, though, but I know they shot it. But it's up here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, better tax breaks for those filmmakers in the 70s, at least. I don't know what they're like anymore. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so what's the Vancouver scene like? I've I've never been to Vancouver, but I really really want to go at some point. So it's amazing here. I mean, it's really I mean for the sake of reference. I mean, I've been to a bunch of the coastal cities along the west coast of the states. Vancouver is Canada's San Francisco. Nice. That's kind of like it's got the same sort of vibe. It's really uh, you know runs on parallels. Let's say. Um, but yeah, so it's it's awesome up here. I mean, the scene is is good. There's a strong group of guys out here. I think there's a lot more that'll come out of the woodworks if like there's some more organization put forth, um, just in terms of like getting events on and all that kind of thing. Uh, we do have a velodrome out here, and that does get its fair share of riders as well. But I feel like they're like super track specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanted to go uh, with like the fixie scene, it's it's a little smaller, but I think that. Uh, with some uh, with some convincing, we have a lot more riders out here 
Um, I've been pushing pretty hard to get some fixture events going on out here. I've been talking with a lot of the race organizers that do the road crits. And so we'll see if we can uh, open up a six-gear race or two this season out in Vancouver, just as a trial this season to see what the uh, see what the interest is, right? Yeah, that'd be and amazing. So that would be, uh, yeah, so we'll see. But, I mean, for the time being, there's a good core g- group of guys. They're a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like a small, again, it's, uh, it's very, the fixed gear scene is super family-oriented, you know? Like, you, if you ride a fixed gear, you're down to have a good time, you're into the racing, and just in general, you want to have a good time out on your bike that's what it's all about. And if we can, you know, connect on one, one of those levels, you're in kind of thing, you know, like we're all doing the same thing. We're all out here riding bikes, having a good time. And we all appreciate the six gear aspect of things. So as soon as you find that group of guys, group of girls, whatever, like it's, it's just a blast. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I love about doing this podcast so much is everybody has just been so supportive and it just feels really like, like I'm on to something, I guess. <laughs> just connecting with people. No, and yeah, totally. Because it's, it's really going to expose it all for what it is, which is just you know, big open, open arms family, right? So it's, uh... Yeah, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, obviously there's competitiveness, but it seems to be. Yeah, all but you in, get that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it's racing. That's the whole point. But uh, yeah, it seems like there is a bigger sense of like community as well, which I think is important in any kind of, uh, sports or just whatever you're into. So that's what I like about it so much. And also Scott was kind of saying like, it just feels like, uh, it's a contest to see who's the craziest. So (laughs) (laughs) at times I would totally agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, which I think is fun, so whatever. (laughs) Oh no, totally. That, that is, uh, yeah, that is the most fun. Absolutely. That was, uh, I mean, just saying that we, there's a race out of L.A. that doesn't exist anymore, um, but it was called the Lord of Griffith. And so this race was just a race around Griffith Park, pretty cool park in L.A., but it's in, it's really close to, like, the Hollywood District, or maybe it's in Hollywood. I'm not really sure. Um, either way, crazy race, crazy busy streets, but, like, messenger-style race in the sense that it's, like, a crit around the park, but it's totally open road. Uh, so you've got you've got pedestrians, you've got traffic, and it's not like a Saturday or Sunday or something. And this is like one of the nicest observatory parks in LA, kind of thing. So it's just jammed to the tits always. <laughs> and they throw a race where you do three laps around the park, like around the roads that go through or through and around the park. Um, and there was like 150 people that showed up to do it or something. And so you throw 150 <laughs> year athletes. At a road that's already congested with cars and, and people. And it's just like, that's a contest to see who's the craziest. And like, the only reason it made me think about this is because there was like, so you had your first, second, third place, you know, fourth place, fifth place prizes or whatever, but there was a prize for women's and men. Uh, the prize was Fixie Foo. And that essentially boils down to who did the craziest shit. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that, yeah. So I mean, yeah, that race was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I saw Sean Eric Martin put that on, and it's just, uh, yeah, no, good times. I Absolutely saw a video. I saw a video that State put out about it, and it seemed like really insane. <laughs> but in the yeah, best that, way, yeah, that's uh, in the yeah, best that was the uh, one of the first races, or I guess it was, yeah, one of the first races I did under the State badge, and it was just like, if this is what this relationship's going to be like, then like I'm into it. I'm, I'm on. I'm on board. Nice. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds rad. I don't know. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. 
So uh, are you a headphones when you're writing person or not so much? And if you are, what are you listening to? If not, what are you listening to when you're training? There we go. Those are solid questions. Um, I used to love listening to music as I rode bikes, uh, but now I don't, not even a little bit. When I go ride outside, it's uh, ears to the wind, and I'm listening to everything. I just have come to really appreciate the audio that comes with riding a bike outside. Um, just the sounds the bike makes against the ground, the sounds your body makes, the, you know, just the ambient noise around you. It's really kind of, I've found sort of, you know, pleasure in that, and that's really cool. Um, when I train, though, <laughs> I'm trying to zone everything out. Um, so I kind of alternate. It depends on the day. It depends what the workout's going to be. Um, but I definitely love putting on sort of like, sort of, I don't know what you call it, like trap music, some hip-hop music, whatever, you know, Schoolboy Q, Two Chains with Khalifa, like kind of, I kind of style of music, but then also just like very classic. I'll just go to Spotify and go to like the, the the house electric genre and just kind of click whatever playlist comes on and just crank it till your ears bleed kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I might not be the biggest fan of that music, but it definitely is like high energy, right? Oh, yeah, it gets and you pumped. So it's, uh, <laughs> well, it's just it. Well, there you go. I mean, I guess that's what all those festivals are all about. So, I mean. Uh, I get amped up just riding a bike indoors, so I can see uh, I can see the attraction to the outdoor festival. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's uh, all that to say though. It's definitely a, it's a weird mix, but I mean whatever kind of comes on. <laughs> no, I feel you for sure. Like, I'm not going to lie, like, when I'm riding, like, up in the mountains, I'll just, like, have one ear in, and I'll, like, put on, like, Bonavir or something, just, like, really calm. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so I'm, like, riding up a But mountain. up in the mountains is different, right? Like, yeah. you're so alone out there, and it's a lot easier to, like, you almost want to drift away, right? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I want to just feel like I'm, like, I'm hurting, you know, but I kind of want to just, like, ignore it with, like, I'm surrounded by all these beautiful <laughs> things, and there's beautiful sounds in my ears. And then my legs are burning, and it just kind of helps out a lot. Yeah, then you just think of your happy place. Go to your happy place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, I'm there, you know. I can't close my eyes, so, you know, I just got to keep <laughs> Yep, yep. There's something to be said about that, that's for sure. Oh, man. Uh, are there any, like, uh, videos and stuff you like to watch? Like, if you're not feeling like you're wanting to ride or something, that'll just kind of make you be like, fuck yeah, I'm going. The motivational videos, things that get me hyped on going out. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, it's maybe a little weird. I don't know, but I really, like, I grew up skateboarding and snowboarding. Snowboarding is still a huge passion of mine, and it could be the middle of the summer, and I'll flick on to some shred flick that I really enjoy. Yeah. Watch a part or two, and it's like, okay, like, I'm pretty stoked. I'm going to go do something. You know, like, it's, and other times it's kind of just like, you just sort of, straight up just self-motivate you know like okay like i don't i didn't feel like going out but i know i need to and it's you know we have sort of this exterior motivation i've got races coming up there is you know whether you like it or not a level of expectation you know you don't want to show up and be a total bust so you have to uh just got to get out there man <laughs> like i always think about all the opportunities that have been you know given to me and i'm so grateful for that and i obviously want to keep riding the train as long as i can right so it's uh, that is a big push Oh, for sure. I think uh, there's a scene in, like, because there's been a couple times where I really am like, I need to go ride, and I just can't get myself, like, to do it. 
and I'll turn on. Right. There's this one section in Mesh 2015, and it's that dude. He's like riding that mountain stage or something in California and he has this giant gear and he's going like 60 miles an hour and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. See ya. Um, That's so awesome. Yeah, those guys are rad. It's, uh, I can see why that would get pretty, gets pretty stoked too though. That is a definitely a very impressive and like, more like adrenaline inducing. Like you, you're getting hyped just watching it, you know, because it's so like thrilling to watch because you can only imagine the speed and sensation of doing what he's doing. And so, exactly. Sometimes just looking at my bike though will just like make me want to just go get on it. And head out. <laughs> Not moving fast enough sitting here in this living room. I need to take you out. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your current setup on your bike um, that you're riding right now? Your track bike. Just like a spec sheet here. Yeah, you know, just well, like, like a, what you okay. got going yeah, on. What, what do we got going on? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're riding the undefeated two frame from State, the uh, the teal colored one, and then I have got literally an A to Z Easton setup on there: uh, seat post, stem, handlebars, cranks, wheels, all from Easton. Um, so we got the EC90 seat post and bar and EA90 stem and then their new EC90 carbon uh, crankset, which has been a ton of fun to ride. This thing is so crazy. Really, really light, super stiff and responsive, and it's got a center lock chainring setup. So instead of having like the five chainring bolts, it's just got one massive threaded, uh, the same size as the axle, I guess. Nice. Um, and it's just it's epic. So it makes it super easy to change up the chain rings and everything. Um, and it's, I love it. <laughs> it's designed for like a road application or a cyclocross application. So I've sort of done something with it that was not intended, but it's been performing excellent since day one. I do run an 11 speed chain and 332 cogs to, uh, to allow for the, uh, the Easton chain rings, which are designed for multi-gear uh, chains. But, it's been working wonderfully. Um, so, yeah, the wheels are Easton RL90s, or sorry, R90SLs, and I laced those to some Durace hubs, 28 hole, and everything is wrapped with some Vittoria tires. Right now I've got the Rubino Pros on there, and come race season I go for the Corsas. I'm just riding regular clinchers. It's uh, a lot less fuss than the tubeless stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, or tubeless or tubular, whatever. Any of the, anything that doesn't have a tube in it to me is just like, <laughs> sure, I'm sure the road feels better, but you know what happens when you get a flat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I have a uh, Land Yachts Reform saddle, uh, which I'm really stoked on. That's a new addition to the bike. Um, so it's carbon railed, carbon frame saddle. Genuine leather wrap on there. But what's super awesome about this saddle is that it's heat moldable. So within the carbon frame, there's two windows that have been cut out and replaced with heat moldable plastic. There's a heating element built into the saddle, and you literally plug the saddle into the wall via a magnetic USB connector, similar to a MacBook. That activates the heating elements, which warms the plastic to its molding temperature. You unplug the saddle, and then you ride the bike either on a trainer or outdoors. For like 15 minutes, you go through your different riding positions, and your bones punch out those two windows. And then as it cools, it takes the input from your sit bones and holds that shape. So you then have a saddle that is literally molded to your ass. Um, very similar technology to like ski boots, um, just to kind of give you an idea. Yeah. Um, but this thing's so sick. I'm so happy with the saddle. Uh, those guys are actually based out of Vancouver. 
they're all it's all handmade here in Vancouver, so it's a really really cool product that should be coming out this spring. But it's uh, something to keep an eye out for for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping you'd bring that up because I was seeing your Insta Instagram stories or whatever about it, and it seemed like a really interesting process. I have a. It's super easy. It's yeah. like it's crazy. There are other saddles that, or other companies, I should say, that do custom saddles in that sense. But it's a lot. The process is so much longer and involved. This is literally plug it into the wall for five minutes and you're done, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the weight is competitive, which is really awesome. So I mean, people are always like, "Oh, I must weigh a ton." Not really. Um, <laughs> the model that I have is the sort of very similar. It's like a short nose wide saddle, very similar to those. You know, there's several different brands that are putting out shapes like that. Um, but it comes in at like 230 grams or something. And that's carbon rails, carbon frame, and a leather wrap on there, and all this heat molding technology inside. Like, they, they nailed it. That's bang on. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, so talk about like... Uh food is really important to you in your life. We kind of touched on that at the very beginning of this. So touch on like what you're eating when you're like training and you're kind of getting ready for like race season. Like what are your go-to meals? Uh, (laughs) Just a lot of food. Uh, My metabolism is that of like an adolescent teenage teenager. It's really just ridiculous. I can eat for like four people in a day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's really kind of hard to keep up with at times. But, uh, no, so we, uh, both Max and I are, are trying, this is new for this year, um, but we are going full organic and we're sort of, not going to say fully vegetarian, but we definitely are sort of like, if you had to put a sort of a, a ratio on it, you know, we're definitely more in the sort of 70-30 range as to how much meat we're eating versus vegetarian fat meals. Um, and so that's been really interesting, just the sort of, the results of doing that, and there's a really crazy change in how you feel, like your digestive system and just your energy levels and everything. It's really uh, very interesting. And so we're trying to take this uh, sort of like holistic approach to, to our nutrition and how we're going to feed our bodies and give it all the nutrients that you need. I mean, we really kind of, uh, to make it simple, you are what you eat, right? So we're just trying to eat the best quality foods so that we can physically be the best you know, be the best of ourselves, essentially, get the best performance out of our body. If the fuel that's getting is supreme, well, then hopefully the performance will match that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, but just tons of veggies, man. Tons and tons of veggies. We stay away from anything processed. We try and avoid any sort of, like, the processed corn products, corn syrup, and yada, yada, yada. Try and avoid artificial sugars as much as possible. You know, if things call for sugar, we'll use honey or syrup or something, like pure maple syrup from Quebec kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just a question of adjusting, right? We used to not think about, I mean, Max has been kind of following this routine for a while now. She's been studying in it forever and it's something she really believes in fondly. And I really just wanted to support that. And I, I was genuinely curious. And so here we are going to go and it's been, it's been really, really good. So we're, we're stoked on that. So, I mean, I don't know, we do lots of tacos, lots of, lots of Mexican influence. Yeah. <laughs> I personally just, tacos are like my favorite thing ever. So it's just an easy, uh, easy thing to make have it be really high quality food and it's just delicious um we've been experimenting with a lot of like chickpeas and beans and lentil recipes which has been really interesting nice but it's uh apple cider vinegar yeah (laughs) i'm actually going to call out scott on this one apple cider vinegar (laughs) is the way to go scott hates it so (laughs) kind of like him and i go back about it all the time but it's uh seriously you take a shot of that what, every day, once a day, once every second day, whatever, 
Uh, try and include that into your diet as much as possible, and that's just going to, like, your insides will be so happy with you. Um, it tastes awful, but it really is worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, or you can just do it like Scott and just take a shot of apple cider vinegar for every sip of alcohol you have this holiday season and see what see how you come out the other end. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, all joking aside, all joking aside, it is uh, <laughs> it is fun, right, to uh, figure out all these new nutrition hacks. It's really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of uh, entering that. I mean, I've I've been vegan for like eight years now. and uh, Wow, cool. Yeah, but, you know, I, I owned a vegan grocery store for a while, and we got a couple like, you know, vegan junk food places out here, and um it's really easy to just like eat oreos and like <laughs> drink soda and oh, stuff totally. um so i kind of like go back and forth between like trying to like eat healthier and stuff but like um recently it I've is kinda... easy to just grab something that you just open a package right? oh, totally. like, open and eat it i mean if you're on a road <laughs> trip to me and, and you're vegan pretty much like taco bell is like <laughs> is like the thing you go to your best friend <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So uh, some kind of forethought goes into it, but I'm definitely on that journey of uh, trying to be more aware of what I'm putting in my body and all that stuff. And and it's insane how much better you feel. Like, I can't emphasize that enough to people. It's like when I, like, am eating a giant, like, taco salad or something that I make that, you know, you use, like, black beans and, like, some corn and some kale massage with, like, avocado and, like you eat that after a ride or something and you just feel so fucking oh, good. Man. <laughs> you just, you feel your energy. Like you just feel the energy level going up. It's like, it's, it's really, it's like getting a, a plus one life in Mario kind of thing. You just, you just feel better. Like yeah. it's, it's a physical feeling. It's not just this mental sort of like, Oh, I'll never really notice it. But like, I know my body feels better. Like, no man, like you feel your body feeling better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can just tell the difference too. Like, uh, you know, you go on like a really tough ride or something like that because like you ate a bunch of junk food and then like, I don't know, you do that same ride again after you've been like eating really well like for a week and it's just like night and day. Your body is like, oh, yeah. recovering so much quicker. You're not as sore and like all that stuff. So The recovery is yeah. really the biggest thing. That's uh, We've been doing a lot of research. Well, I say we, but I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm the... Uh, I'm the guinea pig in it all, right? But it's, uh, I've been doing a ton of research into sort of different foods and spices that help with um, inflammation, muscle inflammation, and help reduce it and really speed the recovery process. Nice. And if you just include those in your diet, it's like, it works. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you have to get, you know, the proper amount of sleep. You have to do your stretching. You have to, I mean, if you use a foam roller or anything of the sort or a massage or whatever, you still got to keep up with that. But it really is sort of just like, you know, that plus 10 horsepower in the, in the recovery machine sort of thing. It really is just amazing. Um, a lot of these things come from sort of the, uh, uh, like an India, Indian style uh, cuisine. They have a lot of different spices and recipes and combinations of food that are genuinely like medicinal. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's really very, very interesting. So we, we do focus quite a bit on that as well, uh, some Indian cuisine. It is, uh, it's delicious. It's always hyper healthy, and 90% of the time it's vegetarian. Oh, totally. Um, which is awesome, so. There's an amazing uh, Indian restaurant out in the town next to Denver called Aurora, 
and it's all vegetarian, mm-hmm. like Indian place, and it's legitimately like the most delicious food I've ever had. <laughs> so yep. good. Yeah, I don't even doubt that for a second. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I've yeah. always loved Indian food, but like the things that they can do to make some chickpeas taste real good, I'm into that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that chickpeas be so good in my life. <laughs> oh man, I want some chana masala now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Have you been to? There's a so I'm obsessed with like Twin Peaks. I'm also a vegan, and I heard that there's like a all vegetarian Twin Peaks themed restaurant out in Vancouver. Have you ever been there? Do you know this oh, place? Shit. <laughs> Do you know what it's called? Oh man, I'll have to look it up. I'll send I'll send you a message. My f- I can't. I can, yeah, please do. I can't say I've ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, there is there is a place that Max was telling me about. It's called like Acorn, I think. Okay. Um, and they're. So they are also a vegetarian restaurant, but their whole deal is that it's like their menu is seasonal. Like they will serve as local and as fresh as possible kind of thing. And so that's the style of food that you'll be getting based on what's in season uh, and what's available locally. And so it's like one, just like the freshest food ever, always. Yeah. Um, this is all based on Max's review. I've yet to go with her. It's on our list of things to do out here, but it's uh yeah, she she was like just ranting and raving about this place. So it's uh, Acorn in Vancouver. Check it out, I guess. Nice. <laughs> you have to go, but I hear good things. That's awesome. My uh, this uh, friend of mine has a. Well, I won't say he's a friend of mine, but he's like friends with a bunch of people I'm friends with in Portland. Uh, has a okay. They have a juice bar in Portland called Canteen. Ooh, okay. And if you're ever there, they make these, like, uh, just these bowls. Like, they all sound really boring, but it's, like, <laughs> the best bowl of food you'll ever have. It's so good. They have a – they only have – they have a really small menu. It's mostly a juice bar, but their food is just on point. So, canteen. So, if you're ever in Portland, which you probably will be. Portland, all right. Yeah. I will definitely be heading down to Portland very soon. That's uh, yeah. canteen, eh? Okay. On the list. Awesome. Yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> um, so uh, since we've kind of like touched on it a little bit, um, and I haven't really covered this on the podcast yet, uh, and you're really like seem to be aware of like training and and just eating well and all that stuff, like what kind of tips do you have for people that are maybe curious about like getting into racing crits or getting into like getting a little bit more serious about riding fixed gear races and stuff? Um, that are maybe well, like at the very beginning thinking about it. Sure. Like, uh, I mean, if you've got your fixed gear bike, you're one step ahead of the rest, right? So, I mean, that's a good place to start. Um, getting it set up to race and getting comfortable riding uh, with some form of clipless pedal. Obviously, a road style pedal is best. You know, speed play, Shimano, look, time, um, any of those. Obviously, you can ride an SPD pedal that a lot of people seem to be more. They frequent that more, and all the people that I know, most of them do ride. Um, I know a lot of people that ride SPD pedals. They say it's for the versatility of the shoe. You know, you can walk in it a lot easier than you can a full-on road shoe. A lot harder to race in them. I don't trust them as much, necessarily, as far as, like, foot releases and whatever. Um, But, yeah, I just get used to riding clipless pedal, whatever the pedal is. Uh, You know, ride your bike with some drop bars. If you're riding flat bars, throw on some drop bars. You know, that feels... And then go find some spots to like learn, learn the limits of the bike. That is, that's huge. Uh, you know, learn how far you can lean the bike over and still pedal through a corner without pedal striking. 
Like if you, you want that, that limit to be sort of second nature, you know, like you want to be able to know that I can lean the bike over this far and know full well that I'm going to make it through this corner and not clip the pedal. Um, having that be sort of like a no thought process is so important to racing crits on a fixed gear bike. Uh, a big part of your bike handling skills, right? But I mean, if you can do those things and practice all that, like really the next step is to just get out there and try it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of race organizations that are doing, that'll do, uh, I mean, there's that race series out in Southern California that have an attack category and that's more of your sort of beginner category. Um, for guys that necessarily aren't necessarily as strong to even just keep the same speed as, you know, they call it the pro category. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of that going on as well. So go and enter a race go and enter an attack category race. See how you do. Try it out. If you completely destroy the field, you know that you're probably strong enough to ride in the, you know, the main, the main event. But uh, just get out there and try it. That's really all I can say. There's no, there's no secret to it. Uh, if you ride your bike enough, your fitness is going to be there. And then you can just fine tune it once you figure out your personal needs that you need to succeed in the races. And, you know, success can be... Everyone has their own definition of success. So that's, uh, you know, you're not going to win your first race. So don't go in there thinking that. And just go out and have fun, man, really. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. And also, I tell people to go check out fixgearcrit.com. They have a really helpful... That's huge. They have a yeah. bunch of helpful uh, articles and stuff. So Absolutely. If you want to read as much as possible, if you want to kind of geek out in that sense, then absolutely... That's probably your best best spot of reference for everything fixed gear racing. Absolutely, um, it'll not only lets you keep up with like the schedule and the calendar and see where all the races are happening across the world, but there's just a lot of cool content on there. Just like it, it's it's really truly they fill the void in, in the internet <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that has just all the information you want about fixed gear racing. It's really uh, pretty awesome. I'm super grateful for that website. Brian's doing a great job running that. It really is very cool. Yeah, I need to talk to him for this podcast, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a gem, too. He's a real character. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's all right. I like a character. Um, I want to try to do, like, at the races next season, I want to try to pop in at the ones I can make it to and try to do, like, little documentary-style stuff. I think that would be really fun. Oh, yeah. And then try to get some, like, race reports from people. So we'll see. Sure. Hey, man, well, I'd be happy to uh, to send you whatever if you want some information, some inside scoops from races. I'd be super keen on writing some reports. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love that. If there's an event that you can't make it to, that either myself or whatever that the state team's going to be at, and you can't make it out to, we'd be uh, we'd be happy to uh, to provide as much info as we can. That'd be amazing. So, Scott. uh, We're almost done here, but Scott told me that I had to do a lightning round with you. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and I have to ask you questions about Canada. <laughs> Bring it on, man. Listen, guy, you're not my buddy, guy. You know? <laughs> oh, man, Scott and I go off, dude. It's really, uh, yeah, so bring it on. I'm ready. Let's do the lightning round. <laughs> so I've, I've just been trying to think of questions, and I'm just going to okay. say, like, words that I associate. What do, you, what, do you, what do you want on my end here? I just want to hear a response. Mind when I, hear... I just want to hear a okay. response. Tim Hortons. <laughs> what was the first one, sir? Tim Hortons. Oh, man, Tinny Hose. That's, that's, your, that's your place to go for your best double-double in a donut, man. No questions asked. <laughs> if you want to come to Canada and do something incredibly Canadian, go to your local Timmy's and just say, I want a double-double in a donut. 
done. You're out of there. And it's not Dunkin' Donuts. It's not the same thing. <laughs> uh, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> well, man, she was, you know, she was a skater girl. What do you want? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, she's, uh, she's all right. <laughs> have you heard this rumor that she might have been replaced? That she's dead with, with the body double? Totally. <laughs> I'm way up on that. I'm all, I'm up to date on my Canadian conspiracy. Good, good. That's good to hear, you know. Um, why is your bacon ham? Oh, that's only in the States. You guys are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know what? Okay, so, you know, fun story. I don't remember when I visit to the States. Been, I would frequent the States fairly often, like, my entire life. And I saw it for the very first, like, it caught my eye. And I was like, Canadian ham? And it's like, and it's bacon. <laughs> um, can I speak to whoever's in charge here? Because this is incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse me. No, 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 no. That's ham and Canada. Bacon is bacon, <laughs> and then we have uh, so a ham, a ham roast. I don't know what you call it down there, but is you know a large, usually roundish in shape, and it's you know like it looks like the thigh of a of a, of a pig. <laughs> that's a ham. Yeah. It could be Canadian, it could be American, I don't care where you get it from, but that's a ham. So I don't know what this Canadian bacon stuff is. <laughs> I don't know either. I have no idea where it came from. Yeah, I'm very confused. Whatever. It's, it's so that uh, it's so that uh, the Americans can feel cultured, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you know, we got to feel cultured. we got to take our shots where we can. I ham you know? tonight, okay? So. We're trying to deal with Donald Trump right now, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know you got a lot going on, man, and I'm sorry for you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, is there any like shout outs or anything for your sponsors or for people or anything you want to say before we head out? Well, I'd like to thank you for, for giving me a call, man. This is awesome. I'm really stoked to be a part of this project. I think it's super duper cool. Um, I really just hope to encourage as many people as I can to get onto a track bike and try racing it outside. Um, just ride it outside. Take your track bike for a cruise and see how it feels to ride it not in a velodrome. And if it's the only bike you have, well, get after it, you know? Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, obviously, big shout-out to State for sure. Uh, super grateful for everything that they've done for me over the past couple of years. And, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, the years to come and the many adventures that we have. Same goes for Easton. Same goes for Land Yachts. I'm thrilled to be a part of the family. It really is uh, a ton of fun. And let's just keep the dream alive and keep having fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, man. I'm sure I'll see you at one of the many events that happen this upcoming season, so we'll uh, be sure to call us out. (laughs) Absolutely. And if I end up in Seattle, let's go ride that mountain. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. I'm going to try and do it because it's a ski resort up there, right? So kind of have to be very attentive to the weather to see when the road is going to be safe. For sure. It's one thing to climb it when it's sketchy and icy, but going down when it's sketchy and icy is a oh, whole yeah. other battle that you really don't want to fight. <laughs> so. yeah. Dude, Patrick Seabase just posted a video today of him riding up in some mountain, and it was, like, super snowy, and he's, like, descending so fast, and I'm like, that is the sketchiest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to go take a good look, good yeah. look at this, because I saw the other one where he went up, like, the highest mountain in Europe, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was but, cool. Uh, it was, it was clear roads for the most part. Yeah. But, uh, so I definitely want to see this one for sure. Yeah, he just said, it's a really short clip he just posted on Instagram, so definitely check it out. That's my next maneuver as soon as I'm off the phone here. Cool. <laughs>
All right, so that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. I want to thank Josh for coming on. It was so fun talking to him, and hopefully we'll be able to do that climb together. That'd be so sick. Um, I really appreciate all of you guys for downloading and listening. If you can, take a few minutes and go. I know every other podcast does this, but please, it really does help. If you go to iTunes, if you're listening on there, and rate and review, five stars would be rad. And in the description for the review, you could just put like, this is a podcast about track bikes. That's all you really need to do if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, let's see. This was produced by David Draper. The theme song is from Free Music Archive, and it's Slag Girl by Vitamin Pets. Uh, check me out at Save the Track Bike on Instagram, at Save the Track Pod on Twitter, and SaveTheTrackBike.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on SoundCloud. Google Play, we're out there. So, yeah, go ride your track bikes in inappropriate places.